Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. My football friends, this is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history and your portal to positive football history, the portal to Rose Bowl history this month as we are looking at all these great games of Rose Bowl history. And today we've got sort of a, a monologue and we're going to cover a bunch of different Rose Bowls that are in between ones that our guest historians have covered just to make sure we're giving you as most complete coverage that we can. We're trying to cover as many of these games if not all of the 108 games played so far in Rose Bowl history as well as some other different aspects of the Rose Bowl. Uh, Tonight we're going to cover the Rose Bowls from 1936 through 1941, give you a short little glimpse of each one of those and some of the more famous players and the coaches, the combatants that are playing in there and any stories that we can pick up on there too. So we're going to start off in 1936 Rose Bowl and it was really a dismal weather, deplorable economic conditions, and they had an abysmal turnout for the 1934 Rose Bowl. That we, we talked about that a couple days ago. But this 1936 version, well, it had a great crowd of over 85,000 people to watch Stanford play Southern Methodist University. The Reno Gazette Journal tells us that the Rose Bowl game was won by Stanford, 7-0 over Southern Methodist. That Bill Paul, the Stanford quarterback, was at the bottom of a pile after he smashed over the goal line on a short buck play. And the score was the winning touchdown and was all Stanford needed to win this 7-0 game. Uh, some great defense was definitely played on that day. That, that, much to the joy of the 85,000 in attendance. And one of the bright spots for the Mustangs in the game was the 147-pound Bobby Wilson, the All-American halfback who smashed the line on one play and stiff-armed Big Bob Reynolds, a 226-pound Stanford tackle, knocking the big man to the ground, almost half his size with that great stiff arm, put up the big guy to the ground. And there were two Stanford ends chosen retroactively as the MVPs of the game, James Moskrip and Keith Topping were their names. Now, the next year, 1937, Jock Sutherland, 
He took his Pitt Panthers to the Rose Bowl for the fourth time in nine seasons on January 1st, 1937. The 7-1-1 Panthers would face the 7-1-1 Washington Huskies of coach James Phelan. Now, the recently expanded Rose Bowl would allow over 87,000 spectators in the venue for this game. The horseshoe was finally completed to make it a, a true, actual bowl stadium. The game started well for Pitt as running back Bobby LaRue flashed through the Washington defense for most of the drive into the Huskies' territory real deep in there, and Frank Patrick plunged over into the end zone from one yard out, and Bill Daddio tacked on the extra point to give Pittsburgh an early 7-0 lead. The score remained just that until intermission, and in the third period, Patrick again found Pater, and with the aid of Daddio, the Panthers went up by two touchdowns, 14-0. In the fourth quarter, the later-named MVP Daddio added a 70-yard touchdown run of his own to provide Pitt's final score of 21-0 after he kicked the extra point. So uh, Bill Daddio, MVP, and really had a brilliant game there as well as Jock Sutherland and the boys. Jock Sutherland finally won a game. Those other occurrences where he took uh, Pitt to the Rose Bowl, they had lost, and some of them lost pretty bad. Uh, I know USC got them pretty good to one game, and I believe Stanford the other. Uh, 1938's Rose Bowl. It was the 24th edition of the Rose Bowl, played Saturday, January 1st, 1938, and featured a couple of past participants in the Grand New Year's game. Alabama returned after winning the Southeastern Conference with a 9-0 record under the guidance of Coach Frank Thomas. Their invited opponent was the 9-0-1 Cal Golden Bears of Coach Stubb Allison. Alabama would be making their fifth trip to the California to play in the Rose Bowl and had won the previous four games. So they were had some high expectations of taking home a fifth. But it was not in the cards for this fifth on this travel, though, as Cal scored a pair of Vic Batari short runs, four yards and five yards respectively, uh, along with a, one good Sam Chapman kick to win the game 13 to nothing over Alabama. And Botari was honored with a retroactive MVP crowning in 1953 for his feats by a, a board of uh, experts and went back and graded each of these uh, previous Rose Bowl games to come up with the best player from each of those games. We'll be talking a lot about those. Uh, the 25th annual Rose Bowl game was played on January 2nd, 1939. So January 1st was on a Sunday. They move it to January 2nd, the Monday, so they're not playing the game on Sundays. And the committee invited teams from the University of Southern California and Duke University. Under Coach Howard Jones, the Trojans came out of the Pacific Coast Conference with an 8-2 record, while the Blue Devils, guided by the wisdom of Coach Wade Wallace, remember him, he took a, a few Alabama teams uh, to those games, uh, they were riding high with a 9-0 ledger so far in the regular season. Not one point had been allowed by this vaunted Duke defense, known as the Iron Dukes, which were led by co-captains Dan Hill and Eric Tipton during their scheduled season. The card was a much weighted pairing as they, and they these two teams in the game lived up to the hype. The game was scoreless after three quarters. The Iron Dukes holding steady. The Trojans holding steady, not letting any points in. The Blue Devils finally took the lead with a 23-yard field goal by Tony Rufa early in the fourth quarter, and USC responded a bit later when quarterback Doyle Nave came off the bench uh, and for a substitution of an injury to the starting quarterback and completed four straight passes to sophomore end Antelope Al Kruger. We'll talk more about him in a moment. 
On one of these, Kruger did run like an antelope as he put a move on Blue Devils' Eric Tipton and scored a winning touchdown with one minute remaining in the game. Kruger's touchdown marked the first point scored against Duke during the entire season and it happened to be in the last minute of that season. What a heartbreaker. And that was all she wrote. The final score of 7-3 USC winning that game. Heartbreaking loss for the Blue Devils who played a fantastic game. Saved that one play by a backup quarterback and a man named the Antelope. And the retroactive co-MVPs were Southern California quarterback Doyle Nave and his end, Southern Cal's Al Kruger. Now, Kruger will be a name we'll talk about here in our next Rose Bowl. Howard Jones and his Trojans uh, earned an invite to Pasadena after the following season. They were ranked third in the nation at the end of the regular season by the AP poll. Their opponent was the second-ranked Tennessee Volunteers of Coach Robert Neyland, and the Vols were 10-0 in that 1939 season. were a hot commodity uh, for the post-bowl seasons. Tennessee was offered a berth in the Sugar Bowl, and were also in discussion for the Cotton Bowl, uh, early in 1940, and the Cotton Bowl would have had them facing the number one team in the land, the Texas A&M Aggies. Well, these invites were in November, but the Vols decided to wait till December 10th and re- get the request of the Rose Bowl for them to commit to their bowl game. Well, the game flow played on January 1st, 1940, uh, had some no scoring in the first period, but that changed in the second quarter when Ambrose Schindler dove in for a one-yard touchdown run for USC, followed by a Jones kick to make the score 7-0 Southern Cal. There were no further points in the game until the Trojans made it a two-score game with a hero from the last Rose Bowl, Al Kruger. He caught a two-yard pass from quarterback Ambrose Schindler, and USC won 14-0. Schindler was honored years later, being named as the game's most valuable player. Our next Rose Bowl is the 27th volume of the Rose Bowl featured the undefeated and second-ranked Stanford Indians, coached by Clark Shaughnessy of the Pacific Coast Conference against the number seven Nebraska Cornhuskers of the Big Six Conference under the direction of Biff Jones. It marked the first postseason bowl game for the Huskers program, and up to that point of this writing, it's the only time these two schools met on the gridiron. The game also was a showcase for innovation as Shaughnessy brought a revolutionary football style called the T-Formation with the Stanford offense. People were excited to see that. Nebraska started a scoring with Vike Francis' two-yard run and a Francis PAT in the first, uh, which was answered by Stanford when Hugh... Gallo Garno uh, galloped into the end zone from nine yards out along with a successful Frankie Albert kick. Teams traded points in the second quarter on Husker Allen Zickman's 33-yard pass from Herm Rahug and a failed extra point attempt due to the kick being blocked by the and, and then an Indian touchdown again by Gallinero, a 41-yard pass from Albert and Albert's subsequent kick. The third quarter saw the backbreaker. Many consider it to be one of the top plays in Rose Bowl history. Stanford started to drive from their own 23-yard line, got all the way to the Cornhusker 1 until an epic goal line stand by Nebraska denied the Indians the goal line stripe. Now, things were looking up for the the Huskers at that point. And from first and goal from the 1 to a turnover on downs, the Huskers' picket fence held up, kept Stanford out of that end zone. The backbreaker occurred after the Huskers punt uh, to get out of trouble because uh, they were so deep in their own territory, which was common that day. They said, hey, we're at the one-yard line. Let's kick the ball out of here. And so, and so nothing bad happens. Uh, however, there was a problem that happened. It would be when Pete uh, Kometvik, uh, 
uh, returned 39 yards for the score on the punt return. And Albert's kick made the scoreboard read 21 to 13 as the final score. Stanford winning that game. And years later, like we said, 1953, they were deciding who the most valuable players were of each game. Well, Mr. Kometkovic, the guy that returned that 39-yard punt, was chosen as a contest's most valuable player in that contest. Now, that is your, your sports history, your Rose Bowl history, 1936 to 1941. Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with a, a, some great coverage from our friend Josie Emba covering the 1942 Rose Bowl. And we're real excited about that. I think you're really going to enjoy that one because it is a doozy too. Made a lot of history in that game. So we hope you join us in. And each and every day this month, 40 straight days of Rose Bowl history, about 50 podcasts in here and all kinds of different information from Pigskin Dispatch as well. So until tomorrow, everybody, have a great gridiron day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.